What's going on, boys and girls? We have a terrific episode of Two White Lights for you today. We have a jam-packed episode where we come to the conclusion on our ever-so-popular March Madness brackets. We have the Grand Prix battle of Ashton Rowska and Amanda Lawrence, the best male and best female lifter as voted on you, the fans, and also Steve DeNovi and I. And this is pretty much splitting hairs because... Ashton Rowska and Amanda Lawrence are pretty much identical as far as like good lift points, formulas, accolades, how their totals compare in the USAPL, IPF, untested, tested. Uh, it's pretty much a debate on how amazing these two lifters are. So yeah, a lot of splitting hairs in this debate, a lot of fun alternate scenarios we get into. We do come to a conclusion though, we do find a winner between the two, but yeah, it's pretty much a segment on outlining how all-time these two lifters are. And, of course, we talk more about the ongoing saga between the USAPL and IPF. Since our last episode we did with Marcellus Wallace and Joe Stanek, there's been more developments. The USAPL made a post about an hour before we started recording on how these new IPF mandates and what is said in the Constitution affects the USAPL as a whole, and it got a lot of people talking it seems like the conversation and the discussion of the USAPL leaving the IPF becomes more and more real each and every day. So Steve Denovi and I talk about that. We discuss we discuss more of the drug testing at the local level, what that exactly means. Um, we get into a lot of conversation about that. Offer some sort of a rebuttal as well as far as the USAPL and IPF and what the USAPL means to the IPF as far as competition goes. But also, Steve brings up an excellent point of the IPF equipment being approved at the local level and how that's actually more detrimental to him than the drug testing. And a very interesting conversation, makes a lot of great points, and yeah, I would agree with that. And that, that kind of pushes him more, even though he was on board, it pushes him more being more on board of the USAPL leaving the IPF. We also get breaking news during the episode as well, uh, discussing what the USAPL's plans are moving forward as far as the drug testing at the local meets go. Looks like there's some non-compliance business as usual up until Raw Nationals. And the USAPL themselves have offered to answer the questions that we may have in future episodes. So that's reasons to get excited. The conversation is not over. This is going to be ongoing. I know that. I'm sure you guys know that as well. And it's great that they're doing that because it's going to cloud up a lot of confusion and also just the plans moving forward as far as the future of the USAPL goes. So be on the lookout for future episodes of that terrific episode. If you guys didn't listen to episode 103, be sure to do that because that'll be a perfect segue into 104. And before we get into all this, I got to talk to you guys about Leflar Bros. Ladies and gentlemen, go to leflarbros.com, follow them on Instagram, and check out their merchandise they got the best merchandise in powerlifting they got the best looking designs they got the best looking comp tees you're gonna look good on the platform and in the gym if you get yourself some leflar bros merchandise they are a company dedicated to helping powerlifting making the sport grow and making you look damn good while they do it you guys know i think the comp tees are the best looking comp tees out on the market right now they also got some of the best just baseball tees t-shirts hats you can imagine, you can look that good if you use promo code 2WL at checkout to save 2WL15 
at checkout to save yourself some money. The best discount code in powerlifting that I almost just forgot is 2WL15. Save 15% off when you use that promo code at checkout. And also, I know you guys already saw it, but they release another two white lights designed. The top rope tees are there. You have the WWF Attitude Era looking two white lights collab going, and it looks fantastic. I already got a great response from that. That means you got three designs, the original logo, the Fight Night logo, the top rope logo, and also throwing the dad hat for good measure on leftlarbros.com. You could only get this stuff at leftlarbros.com. It is exclusively sold on leftlarbros.com, but you can use that same amazing promo code, 2WL15 to save yourself some merchandise on Two White Lights merch as well. So you're going to have a lot of shopping to do when you go on leftlarbros.com and also open up another tab and get yourself some Rivalus gear, supplements, I meant to say supplements, Rivalus.net, get yourself some informed choice supplements. We've been talking a lot about drug tests. Those supplements that you buy, the pre-workout, the proteins, the branched-chain amino acids, those are all important too, and then informed choice label is important because you don't want to pop a drug test. They're still doing it on the local level. Remember that. Don't pop a drug test. Get yourself some informed choice supplements. They're fantastic supplements, but with that label, it makes it a little bit better. And I know we got a lot of USAPL listeners that don't want to make a drug test. Remember, Rivalist.net, promo code ANGELO15 to save yourself some money on those supplements. Also, Go to lift.net and get yourself some Stoic Gear. Stoic Gear is USAPL IPF approved. You can wear it on the platform. It is my favorite gear. I will not wear it if I don't like it, and I love Stoic Gear. I wear it in the gym. I wear it on the platform. It's the only gear I wear. Use promo code ANGELO10 to save yourself some money. Last week, I had a guy use the wrist wraps. I gave him mine. Obviously, had him give them back because I need those wrist wraps, and he immediately got the wrist wraps, use that promo code ANGELO10, and he loved them. That's why he did it. It was a perfect sales pitch. And you can do that as well. Get yourself some Stoic gear. Wear it on the platform. Also, check out Notorious Lift No Slip Drip Slippers. Follow them on Instagram. Sign up for the newsletter. Do not miss out on their drops. I cannot stress this enough to you guys. They do not sell everything on NotoriousLift.com. They just don't. They have drops. And you don't want to miss out on the drops because they have so many different color waves, so many different designs. You're going to look good in the gym. You're going to look good on the platform. Remember, looking good is like 90% of it. Use or go to Notorious Lift. Sign up for the newsletter. Don't be late on those drops. You're going to miss out, and it's going to be a shame if you miss out on the perfect color wave for you. And also, just his slippers themselves, they're the best. I use them for deadlift. I use them for bench. I only use them for deadlift and bench. Because that's how good they are. I don't use anything else for my deadlifts aside from those notorious slift, no slip, no slip drip slippers. So make sure you are getting on that newsletter. Follow them on Instagram as well. And just continuously check out the designs. And they're really some pretty amazing t-shirts as well. So make sure you do that. And they are now a proud sponsor of the Texas Barbell Syndicate primetime session. I love to see it. It's fantastic to see. So we got Left Lar Bros and Notorious Lift and Two White Lights doing the commentary for that meet as well. Get excited for that. That's going to be in August. Also, subscribe on Spotify. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Leave a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts as well. That's really important. And also, you can listen to us on twowhitelights.com. And without further ado, here it is, Two White Lights. 
It is Friday, April 23rd, and I am joined by Steve Denovi again. How are you, man? Hello. You know, you know what's been great? What? These constant breaking news updates from the USAPL giving us content on Two White Light to talk about. Yeah. I literally have been thinking for the last day of what can be a topic we can do for this one, and I need to just stop thinking because, like, every every time we're about to record a podcast, like, about an hour before there's breaking news, and then we have something to talk about. So I'm just going to keep relying on that because, obviously, the powerlifting world revolves around two, light rights, two white lights recordings and make sure to break news in relation to when we're about to report. We are – you know what? If you like two white lights, you don't like two white lights, you have to acknowledge – that we're super up to date on all these breaking news things. Super up to date, and some of this breaking news is because of us, I believe. Yeah, I, I, you know what? I believe, but also, if it isn't, I'm still going to believe, just because. Well, but, I mean, we've heard that like they, the one of the reasons the USA USAPL is being a bit more upfront about this is that we, you and Joe, had a, a conversation. Yeah. With one of the keyboard members and told yeah. them, like, hey, you just want more information being up front. Yeah, so. sure, sure. You know, the social media stuff has been great with them. They've been keeping us up to date. And, yeah, I, I think that uh, there, there has been a little bit of influence, uh, you know, based on some podcast episodes. And, you know, we're going to talk about that a lot. We, going into this episode, we're already going to talk about the March Madness, uh, the conclusion of the March Madness, the Grand Prix, if you will, with Ashton Roska going against Amanda Lawrence. Um, bit different from regular March Madness. They never pit the male and the females, but this is powerlifting, so we can actually do that. Yeah, we're fair. We don't discriminate and put one in a gym with 20 dumbbells and give the other one a full full gym of strength and conditioning equipment. Kilo plates for everyone. Yes, kilo okay. plates all around. Yeah, combo racks for everyone. No one's getting short-sighted here. So this is a jam-packed episode. We've got that, and we're definitely going to talk about the USAPL's recent post on the IPF. And, uh, and also, if you guys haven't listened to that previous episode... It's still up there, and it's still important because all those arguments presented could actually be used in the future on what exactly happens yeah. if the USAPL even, even, does leave even that more Even more relevant now with that episode. And, yeah, I definitely – I mean, legitimately, we got four very intelligent people on that podcast discussing what we can do if we leave. Mm-hmm. I thought there were some really, really, really good points there. Yeah, yeah. Again, I, I, uh, I appreciate you uh, including me in there. I would qualify as three really intelligent people – and a guy who raises his voice a lot. Well, you weren't wearing a Cubs shirt in that episode. This this podcast, you are not intelligent because you are currently wearing a Cubs shirt. So therefore, I would not I would not give you that that uh that uh tag or notation. Okay. That's fair. That's fair, and that's a very typical Cardinals thing for you to say. Like that's a Cardinals fan insult right there. But yeah, yeah. so I guess you could call you could have called it like the last episode, like three intelligent guys in an Italian. Who raises his voice a lot and just uh, speaks with his hands uh, out of a lot of passion. So, yeah, definitely listen to the episode, and we're going to get to more of that on this one. But we definitely have to conclude our Two White Lights March Madness. March Madness ends in April, and we had the championships from the male and female side. Ashton Rowska, Amanda Lawrence, very close, very close in their own 
male to female uh, battles. Ashton Rouska just edged out uh, Taylor Atwood and Amanda Lawrence did with Danielle Mello. So those are our winners. If you are listening, Amanda and Ashton, be on the lookout for your DMs. You are going to get a little bit of a prize from Two White Lights. But I think a debate between us saying who's going to be the best out of those two at 2021 Raw Nationals is still an interesting one. And we still post it on the story to see what the fans thought. And you might have been right about that. I think maybe the uh, listener demographic of Two White Lights might have skewed some of the votes. Yeah, because that should have that been a little bit closer. Because literally, there is... There hasn't been a wrong answer for a couple rounds now. Mm-hmm. I, I don't like Ashton versus Amanda. Like, it, there's not whoever we end up voting is the winner. It, it doesn't really matter. They both already won. It this doesn't is even. A, this is kind of for a fun round. Yeah, it doesn't even give like it doesn't it doesn't even give a clear winner who wins on good lift points at Raw Nationals. Yeah, because people would still make the argument afterwards. Well, Ashton's better because good lift points is skewed towards this side, or Amanda Lawrence had a better performance because skew lists. Is, you know, is skewed towards this side. So it's like, we can debate this, and there's really going to be never, like, never going to be a real clear, concise answer on who's actually the better of the two. Unless one just completely... Neither of them reached out with any bribes. So Um, therefore, this is an even playing field with us. We We do accept bribes, and not a single lifter this entire time bribed us, which is unfortunate, because... I don't make any money from this, and I was really thinking that the whole reason I came up with this is because we'd start to get some extra Venmo transactions from lifters wanting their clout upticked. Uh, n- yeah, I, I agree. I thought we would get a little bit more. Ashton and Amanda have not reached out to bribe me, and also it makes me feel like an idiot because I was included in this March Madness tournament. And I got bounced in the first round, so well, you didn't. You yeah, didn't I didn't vote. Like I'm, I didn't even play the corruption game right. I had yeah. the best. Power. I had the best hand here. I could easily sway the. I could easily sway. Actually, at a point, I don't think I would still win. I think the fans would just consistently vote against me, and I and you would at a point like vote against me. But I could have bribed you. See how that works. I told you if you would do this shirt publish uh, this podcast shirtless, I would vote for you any time. But you keep wearing shirts, and you wear Cub shirts. So therefore, I'm going to increase my vote against you. I'm just going to start getting anime shirts. One of my buddies owns was first first something apparel. Let me give him a shot. First first step apparel, all anime stuff. I'm gonna get one of those shirts and wear it live. Or Leflar Bros needs to come out with like a Naruto shirt. That so, will never happen. TB, come out that with will a never, Naruto. That will a never sig- <laughs> a signature Angelo Naruto shirt. <laughs> that Leflar Bros. That let's will do it. That will never happen. That, that would sound like crazy. That over me and CB's dead body. Would that if happen? you got 50, if you got twenty five percent of all sales of that shirt, you would sell out, oh. and you would accept that money from all. I was literally talking about that because someone messaged me about me tagging you on the, that rug thing about yeah. the anime rugs, and I was like, um, he has very strong convention, conventions against anime, but he has all. I think all of us have stronger convictions about making money off of junior lifters who will pay us fifty dollars for something that costs us three dollars to manufacture. You know what? This is a sign that I won't sell out because I could have done that many times with two white lights and the, you know the designs that we've had, and I have not had a plan in the future for a design that's any anime related thing. I don't even know what I could possibly put on two white lights. Maybe make a Japanese character. I don't know. Maybe make it all Japanese characters, the two W and the L. But I I keep on going. I keep on going back to my roots and actually aging myself more 
by making like old wrestling references towards my sneakers. You know what I said, Shane? I think you need to go further down that, but I want a mankind inspired two white lights shirt. I have something in mind. For, I don't know about two white lights, but something uh, related. I actually bounced it off CB, but you know, maybe I'll talk to you about it all fair. Uh, we're on a hilarious tangent right now, so yeah, <laughs> we gotta we gotta get back because we actually got a lot of yeah we got we got a lot to talk about. But yeah, still Ashley and Amanda sent us bribes in the future. Uh, yeah, because we got a lot to talk about in this episode. But yeah, between the two. The voting went towards Ashton Ross's Gway. I think the demographic of Two White Lights listeners might have swayed that. I think if it was put on maybe a bigger scale, it would have been much closer. And, yeah, so what do you think between these two? Interesting matchup and a lot of similarities between these two lifters. Yeah, I mean, both. So, like, when you talked about Ashton versus Taylor, we talked about, like, biggest total and, like, what's more impressive. Like, they're both going to be great. Do you, are you more like impressed by just the biggest total? Well, both these lifters are like kind of in that realm. Like Amanda legitimately could battle with Bonica or Bonica for uh, the biggest total. Ashton's not going to out total Jesus and Ray, but he legitimately could go toe to toe with Dennis possibly, especially if Ashton ever wants to go up and battle Dennis and, and put on the weight. He very well could battle Dennis and, and go for that 120 crown. I think, I don't think he plans to ever do that though. Um, uh, yeah, don't be biggest, so sure. biggest totals out the window. GL points are out the window because they're both probably going to have the high, there's a good chance they're both going to have the highest GL points. They currently do going into it. Um, I think really, I mean, you could kind of go back and talk about the IPF worlds and Amanda won IPF worlds and nationals and Ashton hasn't, um, at least not last year. He's, I think he's won a world title as a sub junior maybe. Um, and then obviously he won nationals in the 93. I think my biggest argument here, if we're going to have to pick between these two is it, it probably comes down to me of dominance over the rest of the field. And I think Ashton has a lot more competition where Amanda, I would argue it's kind of there's there's a big three, at least in the sense of like who's going to get best overall lifter, even though I think Bonica's in the picture of like most impressive performance. Yeah. Best overall lifters, Amanda, Heather and Daniela. Best overall lifter for male, I think, is a bit more competitive. Like there, there's a there's a bit more people that could that could unseat Ashton where I'm not sure it's as likely or there's high of a chance as Amanda being unseated. Yeah, that's actually a good point. With um, with Ashen, I think you would get, I mean, going past Atwood and Russ, and and then if you throw Russ in there, you got to throw Nori in there, and then when you get another weight classes, you know, like possibly Keiko in there as well. So, like when we talked about this as different competitive weight classes, they all can put something together that would be good lift points that will possibly uh, get them best overall. Here's something that I don't think we mentioned on podcasts prior when we did this March Madness thing, and I think it actually holds a lot of water. Ashton Rowska, right now, we're talking about 105. We just kind of forget him as a 93-kilo lifter, and he has literally left that division because it's not competitive for him. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree there. He literally could have just dominated that class, even though at the same time, like he He's, hit 881 this year 
that actually would be competition with Keiko. Yeah. Possibly Cameron Smith now. Cameron Smith and Connor both are knocking on the door. He actually would have competition at 93. But yes, I have un. Ashton could arguably be my favorite lifter just for that. For the reason that he literally will put himself in situations to make it harder for him to win. Yeah. And that is amazing. He's what, 99 kilos? He is super. He's super small at 105. Yeah. Like, I, when you. When you see Ashton and you know who Ashton is, you th- assume that that's how like all 105 lifters look, and then you see a Bryce Lewis walk into the door, or you see Mikey uh, Mikey D walk into the door, and you're like, oh okay, they're they're quite large. Uh, and Ashton, you could actually tell is a little bit lighter than those guys, and a little bit smaller than those guys, but he's still the favorite to win that weight class, even last year. And he he's just he's really an oversized uh, ninety three right now, or an undersized one hundred five. Like no matter how you put it, so I, I think that actually holds water just simply due to the fact that he just doesn't compete in that weight class because he's won it before, and this is a bigger challenge for him. And that's that's kind of crazy. And also, if he wins this, that that's not very common in powerlifting a two weight class winner. Yeah. Oh, I mean, it'd be unbelievably impressive. And actually, I think that's a very, very good point because he's literally trying to make it harder on himself. Mm-hmm. And I have I have mad respect for that. I, uh, I would be curious if Amanda Lawrence thinks about doing that one day too. It's possible. I mean, I I think she has to cut. She I, I don't think she can go down to 76. I mean, it could be possible. No, I'm saying if he tries, like, she so. Goes up to 80, yeah. 84 plus. 84 plus possible. because, I mean, the, the talks of Sheffield was her goal was to, you know, total something bigger than uh, Bonica. And yeah. it's like, okay, well, just don't cut for your next meet at 84. I and would, just. I honestly would. I mean, there's no need to gain weight. Just do it. I would love. I would love to see that because, like, she doesn't have competition at 84. I, I hope that maybe she does at some point, but right now she doesn't. It would actually. It would be. I mean, immediately, if she went up to 84-plus and, like, just didn't try and cut, like, didn't try and, like, gain weight, but just didn't cut, that would immediately may- maybe be the most interesting matchup of Raw Nationals on the women's side. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Her versus Monica. That would be so cool. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you almost just I, – I was, I was leaning towards Amanda for the reason that I think she's more of an outright possible winner. But just the, that was a great point. The fact that literally Ashton is going up a weight class to make it harder on himself, and he's still going to do what he's going to do. Yeah, as I, well. I, mean, as I am. I'm going to disagree with one thing. He does not look small. That is the freakiest human. Yeah, I've ever no. seen in a powerlifting meet, tested or untested. Yeah. that man is a is enormous. Yeah, well, I'm. I'm saying when I saw him, I was like, "Whoa, he's huge," and I knew he completed at 105. But then I saw 105 kilo lifters walk into the room, and I was like, "Whoa, they're just bigger than him! Like, obvi- like not this perfectly built specimen that Ashton is, where he's not only the size of a 105 a higher body fat percentage. Yeah, he's cut. Nice. Yeah, he's cut like an 83. <laughs> so yes, he is. It's insane. Is, yeah, like, he's I mean, like I mean, he's, he's like an Olympia yeah. athlete. He's like an Olympia, you know, competitor. Or I don't know what they call themselves in bodybuilding, but he's like a Mr. Olympia, just you know, walking in and then putting on a singlet and deadlifting over eight hundred pounds. Yeah, and it's the same thing of looking like I mean, back in the day, or even now, but I'm, I'm going to use one person back in the day is looking at Russ versus Sean versus John Hack. Yeah, Sean and John, I'm not going to say they're not jacked, but like they don't look like Russ. Like, no. like 
especially John back in the day, John Hack looked like an average gym bro and somehow was the strongest dude in the world. Yeah. He doesn't anymore. I, I haven't seen him lately in person, but the last time I, I mean, when he, he was in USAPL. Well, he's still, like, comparative. I, I love how we're now just, like, comparing bodies <laughs> of uh, USAPL competitors, but our powerlifting athlete. But, like, I see that he's built like a linebacker. He looks like an NFL outside linebacker or inside linebacker, how he's built, but he's not, he's still not like. Russ, where you see Russ walk into a room, and then if he pops off his shirt, people are like, "Whoa!" Yeah, I mean, right. you look at you look at Ashton and Russ, and you assume they're super strong. I mean, it's like the bodybuilder conundrum. Yeah, like, if I saw like if you see John Hack like in person, you'd probably be like, "Okay, he's a very strong, athletic guy." But you're you might assume that he plays like in the NFL. You know what I mean? Like, just as, that's how yeah. big he is. That's how, and actually, you, just, he's, you wouldn't know he's the strongest human being on this planet. Yeah. And literally he, looks, he does. He does have like su- he does have like such a like super athlete build. But Russ, like, it's like okay, this guy looks extremely strong. He's probably a bodybuilder too, and potentially uh, a football player as well because he has that Saquon Barkley build on top of that. So, yeah, I, yeah. I understand what you mean. Yeah. So, all right, getting back to it, I was definitely leaning Amanda, and now I'm in between again because of that point you made with Ashton. Because legitimately, that makes it so much more impressive that he goes up to 105 just to have more competition. And he's the best loser in all of the USAPL. I say that in the nicest way. Like, he is a great loser in the sense that, like, when he lost to David Wilson, he was sitting there clapping and cheering him on as he was locking it out. Like, I'm sure Ashton's not happy he lost, but the guy literally tries to go towards competition and would rather get second in a battle than win just because he's handed it. Yeah, I mean, he's, I mean, he was, if you look at his 83 kilo numbers when he was 17, they're good. They're good, like, now. Like, they hold up now, and they would be, like, top 15. I think Aiden Raider just broke his records. And Aiden yeah. is, we're like, yeah, he's really strong. Aiden is a very good lifter. He just brought, but Ashton was 17. Yeah. It's, it's, it is insane. Like, even, like, I guess we do forget that those past accolades and just constant going up in weight classes. And, uh, and you said, like, I don't think that's a goal of his to go up in 120. It's like, it might be when he's my age, that might be his goal. He might. Well, I mean, it's obviously a goal for him to go to the untested side yeah. and beat all of them. Yeah. Like, so it's like, it's possible. Yeah, I'm, I'm like, if he eventually does that one day, I will not be surprised. Because, like, say if he does win 105s relatively easy in the next year, like in 2022, the next thing up for him might be either the untested side and trying to beat those guys natty, or go up to 120, and shit, he could possibly do that by weighing yeah. 106, 107 by 2023. Who the hell knows? He I want to see, see him go 120.5 and go against Jesus. Yeah. Your friends with both of them, call it out. Oh, I mean, call it out. That's the battle we want. We want, we want Johns Jones versus that Ngannou guy. Yeah, that's, that's what we want. I want Ashton's John Jones. Jesus is Ngannou. He's the new guy on the scene. We want to see him go up and battle Jesus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Super heavyweight uh, Ashton Rouska is what I want to see. I want to see. No. I want to see a. I mean, that would you know because they have Megatron and Optimus Prime with Ray Williams and Jesus. Like, Ashton is probably the truest to the sense of a Transformer, right? Mm-hmm. He's just, he's so put together and compact, but he also is, like, 
He's, he might, he's, I mean, shit, like, maybe, maybe I could convince him to be 83 one day. Who knows? Like, I see how far he could cut to 83, be a, be a 3% body fat and take all of our records. I don't care, do it. Just so, it. getting back to Amanda, while we're, I, I don't, I don't want to say, like, we kind of talk about Ashton, like, not dodging people. We're not saying Amanda's dodging anyone by any means. Like, she's staying in her weight class. Yeah. It's just that her weight class is competitive. The fact is, here, here's where I'm going to argue back to Amanda. There is a major discrepancy between female tested and untested. Yeah. Big discrepancy, especially at the higher weight classes. For men, there is, but not as much. Because mm-hmm. naturally, a man has more testosterone to begin with than a female does. So when a female takes testosterone, it makes a little bit bigger of a difference in the sense of what they can do. Amanda literally could go over to the untested side and go compete at the showdown and possibly place top five, which Ashton going and placing top five at the showdown, it would be more impressive than Amanda did it for that reason mm. about the hormone makeup. Very good point. I, yeah, that's, that, I guess that's a point I've never thought of before is, yeah, like sometimes it's just, it's like known in powerlifting too, you can't even make those comparisons with male or with uh, females. Yeah, and that's why the Wilkes, the Wilkes score is broken on the untested side for women because it literally wasn't calculated to account for hormones with women. Yeah, it, it is. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's that's where you see the advantage coming in way more with taking, you know, uh, steroids on that side is uh, just the difference between the top females and the top females on our side. And yeah, that's a good point. She can, she, I mean, her, her numbers do hold up and yeah, she ended up competing at one of these big meets, current U S open, uh, the, the, the showdown. Yeah. She can find herself being competitive. So that's a pretty solid argument there. Let's look. She competed at one eighty one, or yeah. One eighty one is the weight class. She had the second highest raw total all time to CC Holcomb. Mm. That's that's honestly incredible. J- just for the fact that, like I said, like if I'm looking at this, it, I mean, it's just it's just gonna it's Jessica Buettner's up there. I mean, that's that's mainly because she competed like 171 times, so it's hard to kind of use that. But I mean, that's just incredible. Like, I mean, that's where it. Let's let's use the opposite. Let's say Ashton goes 220 in the men. Well, Ashton's already third. <laughs> He's already on there, so that actually is a pretty even comparison to an extent. Ashton is third all-time in the men. Um, Amanda would be second all-time in the women. But I'd argue being second all-time in the in the women in that weight class is more impressive because of how much the hormones say. So obviously, we're getting outside of USAPL, and we have to because of, like, we're, we're, make, we're having to stretch the boundaries of our comparisons here because... Yeah, it's, it, it is turning into MJ LeBron because, like, then you're, like, when you get into an MJ LeBron debate, you like, okay, so let's use... Michael Jordan, but he was on the 2006 Cavaliers, and yep. let's see how he. Re- and then let's put LeBron on the 97-98 Bulls. Like, let's see how those two things pan out. I was like, well, that's completely unrealistic, and we can't really compare the two. But I mean, yeah, that's a, that's kind of where we're at on this one. Yeah, those are yeah, and that's a, that's a very good point. That's something that I just simply didn't think about uh, going into this. Um, making a solid case there for Amanda. Yeah. So. I mean, I, that, that split me again. I got Ashton in the sense of I love the aspect that he literally tries to make it harder on himself to win and, and goes towards competition um, like no one else ever has, I believe, in powerlifting, really. 
other than hack i would say hack kind of did that he literally is like i want to like go the untested route and beat all of them because i'm just going to destroy the usapl um amanda is just so dominant and such an outlier from anyone else um uh other than i, I would like i said i would argue heather and daniela are the only other two that like can probably compare to at least in the usapl the the, the ipf when we get to the ipf in a little bit the ipf there are some freaks you got you got leah you've got uh corolla um and then the lady from brazil i'm forgetting her name but mm-hmm. I, I forget i forget but there's some there's some crazy people there too but I don't know. I mean, we could go on forever doing hypothetical situations, so I figure it's time to just about vote here. Yeah, I think I still have Ashton Rowska just going through. I mean, just listing off, like, his dominance in other weight classes, too, and what he can't... He can just go and be the 93-kilo champion, even though Keiko and uh, Brown and Porker can give him run for his money, for sure, but, like, it's still kind of crazy when you think about how he is able to do it in multiple weight classes. And uh, if you, and if it does, if you're not sold enough, uh, look up his numbers at 83 when he was um, a teenager there. Cause so they're pretty, gnarly. I was leaning Amanda before we discussed. Now I'm in the middle. I, I'm going to go Amanda because I, I really do believe that if she just repeats what she's already done, if, if she, if she goes above what she's already done, that's even more impressive. Like it's unreal what she's doing like i don't think we ever thought a female lifter was going to do what she's doing so i'm going to go her side that doesn't change much though because fan vote was ashton you vote ashton ashton takes the crown all right well ashton rouska is our first grand prix champion of march madness so congratulations man hopefully that'll that'll add to his list of accolades and uh that's like that's one of the the crowning achievements you could put on his um, on on his uh, his Hall of Fame emblem if he gets one in the USAPL. Yeah, like March Madness first ever March Madness Grand Prix winner, opinionated poll winner, <laughs> uh, Ashton Rouska. But yeah, you know what? That'll do it for March Madness. It was a lot well, of fun. I think I, I legitimately looking back. Yeah, I hope the listeners enjoyed that. I, I appreciate. It. I think from what you said, people have stuck around for the majority of this, so I appreciate yeah. that. I know, but it's been a lot of fun talking about it, and I hope the lifters, um, from what I gathered, even lifters who we didn't choose, they just they enjoyed the talk of it. Like I, there was no personal feelings here. Like we just legitimately want to talk about this stuff, and literally every lifter we've talked about, I have the utmost respect for outside of you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> We've got 63 lifters here who I think are just the best in the world and I all admire. Um, and so I hope you guys all know that. Um, so appreciate you guys having fun with this. I hope we can do it in the future and you guys still enjoy it. Although maybe we'll do, I don't know if we'll do March Madness next year. Maybe we'll, we'll change it around and we'll do, I don't, I don't know. We'll maybe we'll do something a little different. We'll, we'll see. We we'll have, to, get, we have to be creative to keep the audience audience attention. Yeah. That's my we, job, right? That's why you brought me on. I'm the, I'm the marketing idea guru. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's, uh, that's what you excel in. And we, um, also have eight weeks left till, uh, raw net. So then, that means we can actually get these people on the show, talk about some things, actually get to the like the legit storylines in a few of these weeks here because um, I'm thinking that's what we do on Two White Lights next is something that the Carolina Primetime and uh, the um, 
and, and a few other meets have been doing. Uh, the Texas Barbell Syndicate as well. They're yeah. prime time. They've session. been doing amazing. Yeah, I'm they've glad. been doing well, it with Josh Roar started it. Uh-huh. I applied it to local meets. And now Carolina Primetime and Texas Barbell Syndicate are perfecting it because they're doing a way better job than I did. Yeah, it's like that's the kind of the progression of it is what we're seeing. And also, I think for Raw Nats, I think it's uh, might be time for us to kind of get some of these other storylines per weight class, uh, intra weight class, and and I I I, I would uh, encourage uh, people listening to be on the lookout for that on the Two Highlights page because I think you might see some stuff being announced and some storylines where you guys could comment on and talk about and repost and all that good stuff that, cause we have eight weeks and we will, we will have those guests on the show too, to really discuss maybe some of those potential storylines that we have. So be on the lookout for that. Mark Madness is a wrap. Thank you for everyone who voted, commented. Thank you for people who were not scared to comment as well. Uh, thank you for getting your opinions out there without being a little like, a little wuss and just uh, hiding behind uh, a DM or something. But again, thank you guys for that. Now we have a potential American revolution happening. Yep. This, this is getting, this is getting nasty. Mm -hmm. Like just based on our last, based on our last episode, we just bought up the discussion, the topic of should the USAP, USAPL leave the IPF, and we referenced how there was little things in what they were writing that and what they have been doing on the social media page for US uh, USA Powerlifting that they do seem like they want to leave the IPF. Like, they're not happy with the IPF's decisions, the mandates that they have to follow, and today, an hour before we started recording, they released all the information that we were wondering about on the USA powerlifting page and now it just really seems like yeah they want to go because a lot of this stuff is upsetting them and every single lifter in the USAPL I cannot find a single USAPL lifter who's like oh yeah that's totally understandable I would love to follow those rules like no one's really on board for these things and so one thing to clarify too is they're they're post we're going to go over some of the stuff they're posting this this doesn't mean they're following it. Yeah. And I actually got clarification on that because literally as this got posted, me, you, Marcellus, and Joe were talking in our group chat. And I was like, I'm going to email them because like I just paid $247 for drug tests and like the lab hasn't been done yet. It's like, we're not drug testing at a local level anymore. Like, I don't want to pay that. So I messaged them and they said, no, we are still drug testing as is. Um, I think we mentioned on the last episode, it sounds like at a national level, they do have to go through WADA, but at a local level, they're still going to do what they've always done. Um, so per that and per this release, it sounds like there could be undisclosed uh, fines from that. And that's where we're going to kind of see things play out. Like is, is, is the USAPL going to leave or is, are they going to wait for the IPF to kind of like force them out by saying, hey, like either pay these fines or you're done. Yeah, and there's been some interesting uh, developments there, too, since we recorded that episode. I don't know if it was after the episode, but um, Celine Crum messaged me uh, of the, of if you go on the USAPL's database, you can see who is drug tested and who is not drug tested. Uh, if you guys, like, didn't know, because right now you actually can't see it, if you click on, say, the Ultimate Warrior meet that I did, it will have an X by my name, and it would say drug tested. 
And you can see that by my lifter profile too, at all the meets I was at, which meets I got drug tested at. You can no longer see that. That has been removed yeah, from the actually, USAPL database. I did. I saw her post that on her story, and that made a lot of sense to me because I literally was looking at some stuff because, like, my meet just got posted. I just, mm-hmm. I just held the Springfield Showdown. I went and looked at it, and it didn't have the X's based off of who got tested. And I, I was scared because I was like, "Crap, did I do something wrong?" Because mm-hmm. like, if they're not posted in the past, it's because I screwed up something. I didn't send in the waiver form. There's all these things I have to do. I was like, "Crap, did I screw up?" And then when I saw that, I was like, ah, okay, that makes sense. They're just going to pull that because they no longer are in charge of testing. Yeah. They're going to still test at the local level. And I think that's just to make sure that we keep things um, accountable in Mm -hmm. some manner and kind of field things. Um, But at the national level, they don't keep track of that anymore. That's going to be a a USADA thing that's going to be their end versus the USAPL database keeping track of drug tests. Yeah. 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 I and also, I think this is a few months back. I wasn't sure why. Doing research for two white lights, I always because this is something that happens a lot. People say certain things about USAPL's drug testing and the IPF's drug testing, and I'm like, All right, if you want proof of something, the USAPL has on a Google spreadsheet on who's been tested, who got popped, exactly who gets out of me tested. All of that is documented, and that was gone like two months ago. Yes, so, I noticed that too because you used to be able to pull that up and see. Yeah, yeah. that was it. That that makes all sense. And I was upset because now. that is my ultimate argument winner. That spreadsheet, like that, is the whole. You know, if someone wants to get in my DMs and say there's no way Russ is natty or there's no way Ashton's natty, it's like, well, all right, I'm about to drop a, I'm about to drop a bomb of knowledge on your ass because I go on that spreadsheet, I look like, okay, here's who's been out of me tested, and if you look. Russ Orhi has been tested out of meat. And it's like, if you don't believe me that they keep up to date with this, Daniela Mello, who hasn't competed since 2019, I think has been out of meat tested like three or four times. Yeah, she's still, I actually talked to her about that. She's still, for some reason, on the world's team OMT, OMT, world's team OMT list. And she gets OMT'd all the time, even though since she hasn't been, I don't know, like, I think you're always supposed to be there on the year. Well, yeah, Nico, she gets drug tested all the time. Nico gets tested, and he just in like an NAPF meet. So he, I'm just waiting. Did you know a coach can be tested? Oh, I did not know that. Jeremy Hartman has been OMT'd, hmm. I believe. If you know Jeremy Hartman is, he coaches, he used to coach Chloe Dublin, coaches Jelly Miles. I'm waiting. That would be the ultimate tell of me making it as a coach if they OMT me. Yeah, that would be. Okay. You know I mean, as a coach, if you have a if you have a USAPL membership, you have to abide by the rules. Now you can get a non-USAPL coaching membership like a Chad Wesley Smith would get. Um, and you aren't subject to OMT, but I am subject as a coach, even if I don't compete to being OMT. Mm, that's good. How about handlers? Because um, uh, uh, Garrett Fear handled me at the Midwest Prime Time. <laughs> so yes and no. Like that's a that's a weird little situation because like at local meets, we don't really abide by the fact that you have to have a USAPL membership to handle. At nationals, you yeah. do have to have a USAPL yeah. membership in some manner. You can you can have the non you can have the non competitor one, which is what you get if you're on the untested side. Yeah. So, um, well, but yeah, kind of getting into kind of, I'll, I'll read through these kind of list of things. Um, cause some are probably a little bit more, I don't want to say they're all relevant, but some are affecting more people than others. Um, based on the rule changes, USAPL no longer contested local meets. And the reason for that is that there's a lot of people arguing in the comments from other countries. Well, like we tested local meets. Well, yeah, you don't, 
host 400 local meets a year. You host like 50. Yeah. Like, don't don't try and compare yourself to USA Powerlifting, which has more members than like most of the other nations combined to an extent. Um, no variance of non-IPF to prove equipment at local level. And that's what I'm going to get into because if there was anything on this list that pissed me off, it was that. Well, I, well, I think there's ways to get around the te- drug testing. I can't understand that. That is not okay. That if we are going to have to use IPF approved equipment at local meets. Yeah. Well, I mean, go back to the first point that right there, if it is that you can't test at a local level, you can't have as many drug tests at a local level, how it is. That's enough for me to leave the Federation. Or that's that's enough for me to be like, we got to get out of this relationship with the IPF. Because that's, that's, that is the biggest thing for me, is how we are going to protect the integrity of the USAPL, how we're going to maintain the, the, uh, the leading drug-free powerlifting federation if you don't have that. And that, to me, is enough just to say, you know what? This relationship is over. This is not a good beneficial relationship between the both of us like that first point alone just kind of sells me on it yeah. uh, and i think and it sells a lot of lifter i mean we, that's exactly what we we're talking about last episode with joe and marcellus that was the big things for them and if there was ways around it great and if it was business as usual where we can test at a local level where the ipf doesn't come down with these undeclosed fines or these sanctions or these penalties okay cool we will still be we will still be approachable on this relationship continuing, but based on the information that's presented to us, that's just, that might that might not be the case. We got clarification on it, and that alone, I know I'm not for it. I know Joe wasn't, I know Marcellus wasn't, and if you look at all the lifters, this is the thing that they tried to avoid. This is why they didn't decide to go into USPA. This is why they didn't stay in the APF. This is why they didn't want us because they wanted to be with lifters who are at their own level. Yeah. And going back to kind of like, because again, on the USAPL page, everyone from the USAPL seemingly is like, let's leave the IPF. It's, it's, there's some other people that have some like IPF affiliates that are arguing in here. All the people that voted on these rule changes are from countries that can't compare to the widespread powerlifting within the USAPL. It's not the same. It's it's like it's like a bunch of small businesses making rules and then a large business, I don't want to say we're Walmart, but let's say like a bunch of local businesses make rules and now Walmart has to apply those same rules. Well, Walmart's not the same. Like they, they are different size and scale. Like you can't like when people say, Oh, well, you can still test at the local level, all these like it's different. Like when you have a larger organization like the USAPL, there's gonna have to be different rules than some type of federation that's in Kazakhstan that has 400 lifters. Mm-hmm. It's not the same. And it's the same thing with like a local gym versus a, a wide, a big change. Like that's just business. We, I, I bring the business realm of this and like business wise, this doesn't make sense because all of these small countries are getting votes that then punish a large country like the U S and like, for instance, one of the people that are arguing a lot in the comments is from Canada well, even with Canada, even though they're a big country, they have one-tenth the population of the U.S. Like, that still is not comparable. Like, the U.S. is kind of in its own realm when it comes to what we're doing powerlifting-wise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I you completely agree with that. And, yeah, that's yeah, that's that's the main thing for me is just, you know, not testing at a local level. Um, I mean, 
like we said last episode, we can tell people all day we can, until we're red in the face that there's not a conspiracy going on between the USAPL executive board and the USAPL higher-ups and state and local referees. People still think that, yeah, there's there's definitely people that are trying to hide that have tested positive for using PEDs and comp. And if that's your strongest argument, then you're a moron. And we could leave and further distance ourselves from your dumbass takes. Yeah. Like, any way we can get away point. from your shitty takes... I, I will I actually you know what I'll up that I'll leave the federal I'll I'll have the USAPL leave the IPF if it just means we get away with, from more stupid fake natty accusations. If we get away from more stupid ass takes, I'm all for it. So, um, random take that kind of leads back to last episode. I literally just had someone Alex Hayes. I don't know if you know who he is. He's a pretty prominent coach from Australia. Um, he just messaged me and replied to my story. Basically saying exactly what we already talked about. The USAPL should just create a primetime session where they invite international lifters to USAPL Raw Nationals. Because if anyone's being objective here, if we, I, I mentioned on my story, 55% of the top 20 men and women in the IPF come from the USAPL. We have a larger portion of the best raw lifters in the world than the rest of the, like, IPF Worlds is the USAPL versus the world. Yeah. In reality, yeah. I, this if we secede, it's not the USAPL versus all these other countries. Literally, we are one in one with the IPF in our ability to influence to where we li- it's, this is. We're probably gonna get this more. This is not like Australia branching off. No, I love my, myself some Australia. I got some lifters there, but if the USAPL leaving is like the AFC leaving, and literally we split football in half, Australia leaving is like one team leaving. Yeah. Like, we literally will branch from the IPF, and then lifters could choose. Do I want to compete in the IPF and go for the Olympic thing, or do I want to just go where most of the best lifters are and, like, allow the, the USAPL allows these international lifters, just like they do at, like, the Arnold, which I assume they would at nationals possibly, to come in and compete? Yeah. No, I, I agree with you on that, and that's the argument that I've seen as far as this IPF being competitive. No one's saying it's not a competitive meet, but then I just always tell people, hey – Take America out of IPF Worlds, then get back to me how competitive it is. It's still a competitive yeah, meet, yeah, but it's a completely it's different meet. It's a meet that is totally, totally changed as far as prestige goes and as far as the level of competitive that you have. If you take every single Team USA lifter out of it, then IPF Worlds is just another international meet with some good lifters. It's pretty much Europe, It's pretty much European Championships at that point. Yeah. Good meat, kind of awesome meat, but not as not not the same. I brought this up in the last episode. The fact the people that might leave and go to a new IPF affiliate if we leave the IPF are going to be the equipped side because on the equipped we don't have the same argument. We are not yeah. like the powerhouse on the equipped side. When it comes to raw, I don't think there's an argument there, and anyone wants to argue, I'm just going to say you're wrong. But that's okay. Like, guess where the future of powerlifting is? Raw. And we're chasing this pipe dream of the Olympics with single ply. Um, I, I don't think it's the worst thing ever if USA Powerlifting, from a business side, branded themselves as the premier raw powerlifting federation in the world, not the US, the world, and just focused on one key demographic. And then the equipped could go to this new IPF affiliate and do their thing. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And that's not to yeah. piss off the that's not to piss off the equipped people. This is literally just business. Like business, you can't be the best at everything. If you yeah. try to be the best at everything, well, you're just gonna be But you could also but here's the thing, you have that option though to you as a USAPL lifter who decided to compete raw. Like, okay, now this is my time. If I really want to go into the Olympics, if that's a, if something that's important to me, I'm gonna jump into single ply and I'm going to compete in that other IPF affiliate. There's nothing like. Is there anything barring that? Unless say, you know, IPF creates some sort of mandate or penalty, like oh, if you're, you know, you have to be two years removed or something from the USAPL in order to compete at this new affiliate that we created. Like I'm okay with that. If like Austin, Austin Perkins would probably be the best example, because he's a uh, you know collegiate national champion on the raw side and on the equip side too. He's that good. If he has accomplished everything he wants to do raw then it's almost like we have that separate distinction between professional and the Olympics, which is still amateur. It's on amateur-level Olympic competitions, um, at least in uh, the United States. Like, you can compete in the USAPL, but if you want a different challenge and go to, like, say, this Olympic-level event that the IPF is trying to create, you can still do that. And it'll, but it'll just have to be equipped. Yeah, and this goes back to we talked about some of the money things of possibly what we could do with the, the, the money that we don't have to pay the IPF. Maybe this is raw elitism, but like if we didn't have the equipped side, from my understanding, the raw side funds equipped nationals. Like equipped nationals, I believe, loses money. Like the only reason like it can survive is because raw helps to be able to make sure that all this other stuff can happen. If USAPL was just raw, there would be so much more money to do some fun things. Mm-hmm. So, um, but I'm going to move to the next point real quick because, like I said, this is the one that pissed me off the most because I have a lot of issues with this. No variance of non-IPF to prove equipment at local level. Mm. And that's one of the big things. Like the USAPL gets like dragged into this for some reason, especially from the untested sides. Saying, oh, the IPF recruit a- approved list has such garbage that everyone's got to use equipment. Only like 5% of lifters have to worry about that rule because currently the only, re- only time you need to have IPF approved equipment is if you're at a national level meet. At mm-hmm. local level, it just has to meet the guidelines that is set within what makes it IPF approved, which is great. Because you know what? The vast majority of lifters are never going to go to a local level. The vast majority of lifters may only do one or two meets. They should be able to kind of choose the equipment they want within the guidelines, yeah. have a low barrier of entry with the equipment they probably already have that they've been training with, and not have to go spend all their money on SBD and Titan and all these other ones to be able to do that. And the thing is, I get like people get pissy about the IPF approval list and whether you say it's for money or not, it makes sense at these national level meets because when you have a thousand lifters, you can't check 500 different brands to see if they fit the requirements. Yeah. Just have these eight brands that work and it makes it so much easier to get through equipment check and make sure everyone's compliant logistics wise that actually truly is needed. And even if USA powerlifting branches off, I would say it would be a good idea to have certain brands that are allowed at nationals to make sure that we have equipment standards. But at local meets, that should never, ever happen, and that would be a terrible thing. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, I, yeah, I guess I'll, uh, I'll touch on a few points there. Um, one, if they even decide to do that for money purposes, like having a certain IPF-approved list of sponsors, um, I'm actually still for that. Like, at Nationals and the Arnold, like, yeah, if that means you're making more money based off sponsorships, do it. Like, this is a national-level meet, an international meet. Let's make it seem that way. So I'm actually I'm, I'm actually not against that. But back to your first original point, I think a lot of the times uh, – I had this conversation yesterday when I was at the gym. 
a lot of times people are educated by other people in different federations on what goes on in the USAPL, and like so much of it is over exaggerated. Because I was under the same impression for my very first meet in the USAPL because everyone was telling me like, oh, they are such a money-hungry federation that you can't use your certain equipment at a local meet. You have to get all this IPF stuff so it, you know, cause so they can make more money. And I was like, oh, that kind of sucks. That's why I wasn't really, you know, keen on the USAPL. And then I got to the local meet and uh, Dennis Brady, shout out Dennis Brady, like looked at my stuff. He's like, okay. He's like, I know you're a good lifter, Angelo. He's like, if you want to, if you want to go to Raw Nationals, you got to get different equipment. Because all I I got all my stuff off Amazon. The shoes, the socks, the belt, the singlet, and aside from my knee sleeves, I got them from a friend. They were all hand-me-downs. And he was like, you know, it doesn't matter the local level. We don't give a shit. You can wear whatever the hell you want over here. But in Nationals, you just got to get different equipment. Because people, the meat directors at the local level, understand that lifters might just get their shit off Amazon. Yeah. Like, they might search. That's what I did. I searched powerlifting belt on Amazon. My first belt was a, I searched powerlifting belt on Amazon, and that's what I got. Mo- people are like me when getting into the sport. They just, they see what the bare minimum is as far as equipment goes and get it and go and compete. Same thing with my singlet. I searched a wrestling singlet. On Amazon, I saw the cheapest price and I took it. Like, and meat directors in the USAPL know that. And if you're if you're actually going to maybe start penalizing people for that, I agree. It actually at times could be more detrimental to the federation than the drug testing because you're really handcuffing lifters on what they can't do. It's like this sport has the great thing about this sport is that it's accessible. And if you're going to start nitpicking like some off-brand shitty belt that is actually not even a competitive advantage. It's a disadvantage. Some of these paper mache belts that people sell that I was wearing. And if you're going to make that be the barrier of entry for these young competitors, these old competitors, you're killing your federation by doing that. You're killing the sport by doing that. And guess what? They're going to take their business and go elsewhere. As they should. That's my tipping point. The drug testing is not great, but as we discussed last episode... And as I kind of posted on my story, like, I was kind of hesitant. Like, I'm still kind of borderline. Like, I get, like, reasons to stay in the IPF. I get that, like, if we leave the IPF, it's not going to be all fine and dandy. There's going to be some struggles. My tipping point is if we have to use the IPF-approved list at local meets per the IPF mandate, that's that's no-go. I will not be okay with that in any way, shape, or form. I'm out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and that's not just because of the money stuff. I get we, we are pro- making money we get that these if we don't have people making money we can't grow the sport that's not a making money thing though that is limiting and extremely elevating the barrier of entry of how people can be able to get in the sport and have great experiences at their first meet yeah yeah absolutely that's that's big i mean and that's most most of powerlifting right that's most of powerlifting is your kind of layman competitor who is really passionate about powerlifting but doesn't have any aspirations of being a national champion, mm-hmm. right? They just like to go to, they like to compete once or twice a year. And you're, if you're attending a local meet and you see that, you know that that's what drives the sport. When you see people at their first competition, 
just, you know, put it, you know, whatever total they put up, you could tell that they're happy about it. You could tell that their friends and family are happy about it. And if you're doing things to limit that, you're a fucking idiot and you're ruining the, you're ruining the sport. Not even the Federation. Let's go past the Federation. You're ruining the sport at that point. Yeah. Yeah. The drug testing, I can see, like, let's say the drug testing is a thing. People might still stick around. If the IPF approved equipment list happens, everyone's going USBA. It'll just, it would just happen. Like yeah. if the USAPL stuff, it would just, it would happen. Like everyone's going USPA. It, that would, that would be where everyone leaves. Mm-hmm. Um, continuing to go through the list. You kind of talked about like barrier of entry and just not being like open to the ability for people who are new to the sport with differing religious or physical ailments. The next one is no longer allowing religious attire exemptions outside of the IPS states. And then no longer allowing exemptions for adaptive and para athletes based on the new, uh, the new uh, divisions they made. Now, the fact is that uh, that doesn't apply to a majority. That's a that's a that's a low number of people that applies to. But still, that we talked about, like if powerlifting can continue to develop, it needs to be open with other aspects. To, for, I mean, just like any other well-known sport has special Olympics or adaptive divisions or allows religious exemptions. They allow people at some level, especially at a local level to be able to still compete in some way. And if that's going to be hindered, even though it's, it's a minority, that's still an issue. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I do know that Blake Barris Yamaka will pass because it did an IPF worlds. So in spite of the, in spite of the announcers, uh, comments towards it, but yeah. Um, yeah, that's that. I think I mentioned this before the show and based on the bullet points that you saw in the U S uh, USA powerlifting page, it feels like they're just throwing in things, being like, this is the ridiculousness that we have to follow, and we're not okay with it. That doesn't really... back to just, it's an Olympic sport, and they're trying to do everything to make it an Olympic sport, and if you're not trying to get to the Olympics, you can't do it. Yeah. But guess what? 99.9% of the people doing the sport are trying to do. It's not the Olympics. They're just trying to be strong and healthy. Yeah, exactly. exactly. And then it's like, uh, it's... It's the same thing over and over again. If people find ways to leave the sport, they will find another thing that will fulfill their time. They will find bodybuilding. They'll find CrossFit. Powerlifting is a... But if they find reasons to leave uh, powerlifting, that can be replaceable for a lot of people. And I I just... It's just... It's weird that an organization wants to do that. (laughs) It's like you make it more... It's like you're making it harder to compete in the sport and yeah just basically like we talk about tone i think the tone with that is important with that uh post is because when you list all these things it really shows the usapl isn't crazy about these mandates mm-hmm. there's ad they're adding it in there be like this is oh. the stuff we have to follow and we don't want to do it it's ridiculous and this the comparison of this is the nfl saying that peewee football has to follow their rules yeah. The IPF wants to get the Olympics. That's okay. But they're trying to make sure down to the lowest level, everyone has to follow the same rules. Now, I get that for the level of lifting. You have to hit depth. You have to follow commands. That makes sense. You know what, peewee football, they have to follow the same rules as regular football. Yeah. But they don't have to get Riddle and they, or Riddell or whatever. They don't have to get, like, some sponsored NFL helmet because the NFL uses it. So, therefore, if the NFL is sponsored by it, peewee football has to use it, too. Yeah, they're, no, not, like, all, they're not all wearing Nike jerseys. So, and if only people are arguing, like, like, this is how it makes it legitimate, no. Like, 
yes, I get like it makes it legitimate for the top level, but it already was legitimate for the top level. We don't need to be perfectly legitimate for a local level. We yeah. don't. That is asinine. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's the great thing about the sport is how accessible it is. We talked about it with Noriega and uh, Garrett. With it is the most accessible sport that you have out there. Actually, <laughs> well, the funny thing is Nori said just make it unaccessible, and maybe the IPF was listening to Noriega on that episode because they're making it not accessible anymore. Like yeah. I guess that's how you like that's how you do it. I guess because yeah, like what Garrett said, you go and search powerlifting meet you on Google. You can sign up for a powerlifting meet tomorrow if you want. You can't do that for other sports. You gotta. It, it's it's harder even on like a little league level, a pee wee level, a, 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 a YMCA thing. It's like kind of hard to do that. You got to really search for it. So, um, next three rules. I'm, I'm kind of unclear on these. There are some comments that kind of made me not really sure like how to feel like if this is truly it's something. Something says so no longer allowed to have youth divisions, no longer able to have deadlifts only or squat events, and no longer to have youth teenage and masters five year records. Um, I'm not positive about those. Like I'm not. I don't. I get like at the IPF worlds, there's not going to be those, but I, I don't know. I don't want to comment on those because I don't think I have enough understanding to be able to say that like truly we can't have like youth divisions or like team records at a at a at American record level. So I don't know on those. I just I just know like obviously the drug testing is a huge issue. The IPF approved equipment to me is a huge issue. And then even though it, it affects a minority, religious, adaptive, and para athletes is an issue because we're we're taking the we're, again like football, basketball, all of those they have these exemptions for anyone to be able to compete at a at a low level. At a local level, we should be able to make it so anyone of any kind compete compete on some possible level playing field. If they want to be a pro athlete, aka IPF Worlds, then yeah, they're going to have to follow different rules. I get that. Mm-hmm. So, a um, couple points uh, we kind of talked about pre-show of kind of what this kind of my thoughts of kind of this leading to. So, I think I already kind of brought this up, but one, um, we are not Australia, um, so I, I don't think we have the same thing as Australia to a T, where Australia uh, went away, which actually was very effective. Everyone pretty much went to powerlifting Australia. They've kind of slowly drifted back, but I think that's partially because of some political stuff that's happening. Um, I think if we drift off as USAPL, I think for the most part, we'd stick together. Like, I don't, I don't see a reason why people would leave. There shouldn't be a reason to leave. We have 55% per se of the strongest people in the world in our mm-hmm. federation. We have the majority of the strongest people in the world in that federation. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I, I don't I don't see a reason either. I think there will still be a few. I, I don't I don't even know if I would say that because I think I got into an argument about this with uh, USPA drug tested, where USPA drug tested has existed for a little bit now, and really the only person we saw leave was Candido. Like people are saying, well, you know what's going to happen? They're going to create that IPF affiliate, and lifters are going to go to the IPF affiliate. Like lifters have shown that they'll stay loyal to the federation if they're unhappy, as long as the competition stays where it's at. And right now, I see the competition staying where it's at. Um, There could be some detractors. And you actually brought up a good point of, you know, what would be the biggest influence of those lifters leaving to those uh, potentially new IPF affiliates. Yeah. And one of them is for sure the best lifters. Like, if the best lifters stay in USAPL, people are going to stay here. But one of the biggest influences on those best lifters are the coaches. 
most of these best lifters have a coach. Um, a lot of them tend to have a, a, a well-known coach, whether it's because the coach was well-known and they hired them or because the lifter made them well-known. I, I can tell you from being a coach and knowing other coaches, we tend for multiple reasons to promote a singular uh, federation. Now, I have people I coach that do USPA, but they do the USPA untested side. Um, I don't have anything against USPA drug tested. It's just that, like, as you're a coach and you're trying to create a brand, you, you want to have people kind of in a singular area to kind of promote that this is where I coach. And so if Marcellus and Sean and uh, Joe and TSA and Joey and myself and uh, uh, strength guys continue to promote USAPL with all of their lifters, they're probably going to stay because lifters tend to follow their coaches. Mm-hmm. And I, now I'm not going to say that's the, that the, that's the number one factor of if you're staying, but I'm saying that's a pretty good factor. And from what I know, it seems like most of these top coaches are pro USAPL and pro USAPL if they leave the IPF. Um, and that's even, even interesting to me is I would say probably one of the most pro IPF coaching teams has been the strength athlete. And they even seem to be on the side. I haven't yeah. heard as much from Bryce, but Joe and Joe and uh, Eric definitely seem pro yeah. USAPL. Screw the IPF. Yeah, yeah, I've seen that too with them, and yeah, I completely agree with you. I, I, and it does actually create that individual brand. I like uh, even even at Surge, I see it where like uh, so Joe, I uh, referenced it last episode, took on a guy, a USPA guy, Hussam. Uh, who goes to surge and people are like, even though they don't compete in the USAPL, they kind of knew that Joe Santa coaches USAPL lifters. Mm-hmm. They knew that, and they're they're not too familiar with the USAPL and Joe Sanic, but they knew he coaches USAPL lifters and a strength athlete coaches USAPL and IPF lifters. So when they saw that, they're like, "Oh, that's interesting." And I'm like. Yeah, it's cool that the the marketing with the branding works out for that, and like that's they've actually accomplished their mission as far as promoting that one federation. But you're absolutely right in that. If if coaches decide to stay with the federation, their athletes will stay loyal with those coaches, and you will still get this. You will still get the USAPL of what it is currently. And that's the only thing. The we, that's, the only, that's the thing we are holding on to, and that's 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 a good thing. Is like. Just knowing that it, it could potentially be USAPL le- le- uh, leaving the IPF, you do see a lot of lifters like, okay, we, we're holding on to the USAPL here. We're holding on. There's a few who are like, let's just go to the USPA drug tested, and there's but there's many more who are just saying, we're, we're like, if the USAPL leaves the IPF, if the USAPL leaves the IPF, I think a lot of the stuff that people bitch about the USAPL for will kind of go away. Yeah, because I, I can't think. I can't think of one. I, I seriously can't think of one that just isn't because of the IPF. As maybe the media eh, rights. Eh, no, the media rights, and then how they did Raw Nationals this year. We would have okay. So, about. so those two things. But, but then the other thing before that, they took if they took all of our advice is branch off and get a board of younger influencers who have a business mind to be able to help to consult with. Yeah. That yeah. would fix everything. Yeah. But I mean, um, even before, so before the, yeah, I, I realized, but that upset USAPL lifters, the media rights and the lifetime memberships. Prior to that, the USAPL was just upsetting or like the, the, the mandates that they had to follow were upsetting people outside of the Federation. 
You know, it was yeah. like only being able to wear IPF approved equipment that was upsetting people who weren't even in the USAPL. Or, I mean, the biggest one is if you're at, if you compete at an untested meet for money or something and you're mm-hmm. an international lifter, you're kicked off the team. That's something yeah, that that's untested all. people hate. And that's a IPF thing through and through. Yep. And that's something too, that again, going back to the coaches, if with the new coaching rule, we'd have to choose. Yeah. Like I can't coach people in USAPL when they're not in the IPF and coach in the affiliate. Cause I would be banned from the affiliate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that goes back to like coaches have to choose. Do they want to go to the affiliate, which they don't really coach many people in, or they want to stick with USAPL. And if 95% of the people in USAPL, they're going to stick there. And then their athletes are going to stick there. Cause that's the only place the coach can go. So I, I, I'm saying that like coaches are going to have a big influence here. It's going to be top level lifters. Where are they going to go? And then coaches next of where are they going to go? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I, I agree with you on that one. And I like the popular, I mean, I think some of the coaches can be matching the popularity as far as lifters go too. Like just based on the sway and the influence that they have. Joey Flex comes to mind. Like if he decide, like he will sway so many people based on where he decides to put his his coaching yeah. at is I, I'd argue he'd have the biggest influence because of the people he coaches. If wherever he goes and if he pulls his people there, that's probably going to be the biggest influence. So if he stays in USAPL, I, USAPL will be good. If he switches, that kind of splits things, and that's where it gets a little. It will get a little weird of like where's people going to go because he has enough of the best lifters that it would it would be a decent little f- switch if he flipped everyone. Um. But then again, like I, I don't know how many of his lifters would want like. There would still be. Are they IPF worlds hungry? Are they? They, they care? I don't know. It's, it'll be interesting. I just I think Joey does have possibly the most influence in the sense of the coaches, though, yeah. for sure. Because if that happens, then you have other athletes who might just go where the competition goes. I think. I think in that sense, as a competitor myself, I would actually put my foot down in that situation, and be like, "No, they finally did the thing that I wanted them to do, so I'm staying in the USAPL." Like Russ. And if Russ goes, Nori goes. And if Nori goes, all these other people go. Or, like, you know, if, if Jesus goes, because all these people that he coaches, that's when I'm like, I don't care if everyone goes. I'm staying with the USAPL. I'm sticking with my guns because they have actually are responding to the things that we are that, that we have a big issue with. And that's what we wanted from the USAPL for such a long time. And we're actually finally getting that. So, yeah, I just in that, like, uh, alternate scenario, which actually, who knows, can't happen. Um, uh, that's, that, that's my stance on that. I got this question and I think it's an interesting one from based on what I'm seeing here with all these new mandates, with all these possible penalties and fines and all that jazz, I, why would the IPF want to do this? Because the IPF based on everything that I'm seeing, I, I, I referenced the American revolution at the beginning of the show. This is like the intolerable acts. Like it just seems like they don't want to deal with the USAPL anymore by making all these because it just it, it has to be known at this point that the USAPL lifters, coaches, officials, anyone involved will immediately have a problem with this stuff. So why would they do that if it hurts a potential investment? Well, because like I thought, like these are all voted on by the countries, and when the majority. It, it, I don't know how it works, but this goes back. I, I'm not a big political guy, but this goes back to why, like, each state has the electoral college. Like, 
if every country gets one vote, how is that fair that the U.S. gets one vote and Kazakhstan gets one vote? I, I don't know. I, I might be wrong on how that works. I could be very wrong on how that works. But mm-hmm. I, as far as I know, that's how it is. Like the USAPL gets one vote and every other country gets one vote. And so somehow all these small countries who have a very different circumstance get one vote to our one vote and we lose out. We get these bylaw changes that then affect us. That, that's from my understanding. Again, I could be wrong, so don't quote me on that. I need someone that has more knowledge on that. But from my understanding, I believe we just get one vote, just like every country gets one vote. And that is not fair. No. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right about that. Um, I Again, I just I, I try to find ways to answer that question. And I, I told the guy, I'm like, it could possibly be because of the drug testing, because the drug testing has been a bit of an issue between the USAPL and IPF for a little bit now. So it, for me, it's like, all right, we're going to make these rules because you guys just can't stay in line and follow the drug testing mandates that we want. So this is your punishment for that. And that's really the only thing I could think of because, well, what I said earlier, unless it's just something they don't value, like the raw lifting side, the USAPL is vital to the IPF success. It is. It, and that, that's... That's why I think you see high level lifters internationally be like, wait a minute. So if the USAPL leaves, then what does that leave for us to compete against? And it's really just who they've been competing against, which is pretty much people from Europe. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I just Europeans don't, I don't understand a federation who would want to hurt that when they are obvious they're the beneficiaries of having the USAPL involved. Well, because I think we see in some of these comments that there seems to be outside of this country, this conspiracy thought that we're doing in-house testing to hide things. God. Yeah. It's, I'm surprised with the amount of educated minds we have other places that you just can't understand how, I use it to my relatives in Italy. And, I, I mean, I guess if I offend anyone, it's going to be other Italians here, which is totally okay. <laughs> but they always ask me, how I, like, how are you so big? How are you 180 pounds? How are, how are you so strong? And I'm like, because I don't eat two meals a day and one of my meals doesn't co- uh, consist of arugula and watermelon. That's how the diets are in a lot of European countries where they're just... Eating that, not really lifting heavy weights, and then they look at an American and go like, oh, that guy's on steroids. Like, no, I'm eating a lot and I'm lifting a lot of weights because that's what we do in America. That's what the strong as, people as, do. As well as sport in America. Yeah. Different types of sports. towards too. football yeah. and baseball and basketball, and in other countries it biases towards soccer, and there's a very different uh, training in the sense of weightlifting for what Americans tend to do in bias in sports versus what Europeans tend to bias to in sports. Yeah, I, yeah, I just like that's how that's how it is in like and but that's what, I mean. Do you see just American athletes? Do you not see them? Do you not see them in all the sports? Are every single one of us taking steroids? No, they're not. It's like it's just it. That's what happens. The gene pool gets better over time because diets, athletic training lifting weights when you're 12 it always starts younger now like actually finding resistance training has found its way into middle schools now in the united states it was uncommon at a point where a 14 year old was lifting weights now that's the basic thing in almost every single high school football team 
If you are playing on the high school football team, you're lifting some sort of weight that early. And you can tell them that, but apparently that uh, th- that it just means that because we're because they're muscular, they must be on steroids. Because they're yeah. stronger than everyone else, they must be on steroids. Hey, we uh, didn't bring steroids into this. That wasn't us, man. <laughs> that wasn't even our uh, country who, invi- who invented Russia. it, right? Yeah, come on. Why aren't we going? I, I don't know much about it from what I've... I believe Arian posted it. Didn't seem like Russia was drug testing as much as we were, and they are an issue. Why aren't we getting making more rules about Russia? Because I don't believe anything that comes from Russia, even if it's USAPL. I mean, we already know their government funds doping, and they are government funded, I believe, for powerlifting. So, and they're kind yeah, of not even know. like they're not even not open about it. They're kind of upfront, in your face, arrogant about it too. For for the country, like we're trying to go to the Olympics. There's one. There's a couple countries that tend to be very clean on the international level on the, on the weightlifting side. I'm not going to say all sides. Like we're not clean on track and field and stuff, but on the weightlifting side, America is known to be clean. Like we're pretty clean on that side when we say we are, I don't know. I don't know. We're getting into a tangent. Yeah. We're getting into it. I, yeah, I, but it was mentioned to me yesterday. It was funny. It's like, if you want to, if you want to remove drugs from powerlifting, the absolute last thing you could do is make an Olympic sport. Yeah. Oh, it'll make it hundred percent. Then it would be drugs would be rampant all of yeah. a sudden. It's like all the natty guys are now on steroids. Yeah. It's like that I was the know. one thing we had. It's like the natty guys were actually natty. Now it's like you make an Olympic sport, they're not going to be. But yeah, that was quite funny. So if I was the IPF, I would. How you could? They're never going to do it. But like, if they're trying to put single ply in the Olympics, then put these rules on single ply. Let Rob have a different subset of rules to an extent because raw is where the growth is. That's where the accessibility is. That's where the barrier entry is low. Do not make these local level meets hard to get into for lifters. Um, and then allow open of no drug testing. I don't know. It's just, yeah, I'm, I'm no longer hesitating. I say we just leave this. That's, that's ridiculous, especially after the IPF equipment rule. Um, it doesn't really make sense anymore. Yeah. Like, yeah. And I think, well, and, Again, the the tone of the USAPL now, the, the 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 posts on social media that we've seen, and just how they're interacting with other lifters, it really does seem that it is now. It is now a possibility that they leave. I think the the talks are stronger than ever, and if that's the rules they have to follow, then it's it's even in USAPL's best interest to leave. It doesn't help the USAPL at all. Like. The big, the great thing about the USAPL is how many local meets you have, yeah, and how many like and just the like how they're able to operate within that, and I mean on, on top of it, it's raw nationals, like that. It's not IPF Worlds that makes the USAPL great. It's it's raw nationals that makes the USAPL great, and that's a that's a biggest selling point I think for a lot of lifters when they see what goes on at raw nats and they're like, I want to be a part of this. There seems to be a community that I want to associate myself with that is what you have to keep and you can keep that if you don't have ipf rules so something just got posted on facebook so this is breaking news um usa powerlifting or at least someone that has some some say in this uh talked about all these things being passed all these things being posted as of today, is my understanding that USA Powerlifting is running business as usual and not in compliance. We have a national governing board comprised of voted members that meets every year, and this will most likely come up 
and for a vote to stay within the IPF or leave and find something else. So I believe the national governing board meeting is usually right around nationals, correct? Yeah. So, and they said, we will still be drug testing 10% of all lifters at local meets until we are told differently. We value a clean platform. So yeah, we're, we're just not going to comply. And there's going to be a vote at the national governing board meeting. All right. It sounds like. I might just put that in uh, two white lights right now, just to, uh, just to put that on there. It's like, be sure to, because I think it's still, even with this post, it's like, it's a doomsday scenario where people like see that and they're like, okay, this is what's happening. This is what's currently happening. And a lot of people I don't think are realizing that the USAPL are not, is not complying with these rules. So like that's, that's an important thing for lifters to realize. So I think I might have to throw that on two white lights in my personal page just to make sure that people are in the loop there. Yeah. So yeah, it's most likely we're not going to follow it. And it's going to come down to a governing board meeting. We're going to vote on it and decide if we're going to leave or stay. And it's seemingly, this is where it's different than it seems has been in the past. It's seemingly like, like the, the older community, the, the more like the, the original USAPL lifters, they seem to be even getting pissed about this now too. Yeah. Well, uh, I just got some breaking news myself. USA, USA powerlifting just messaged me. <laughs> Uh, I'm reading it just now. Uh, reach out to the national office before you have your next USAPL podcast. If you have questions, we can answer ahead of your podcast. Saw your post today, but I had not listened to your latest. Well, sorry, USA. We just recorded it, but our next podcast, we will definitely be able to do that. Awesome. Well, thank you again. We talked about this beginning of the episode that we hopefully are having some influence, and unlike in the past. Mainly because of the IPF, USA Powerlifting is trying to be very much like in tune with the audience and trying to be a lot more uh, open. And so, awesome, we'll get a we'll get well, a, a host of questions for them, get them answered, and relay them. Hold on, actually, uh, we could. Well, I don't know. This is like live comment. Uh, this is live podcasting editing as it goes on. We can may, uh, maybe I can send some questions to them and just uh, you know maybe if you have time tomorrow, we could record like something quick and then throw it into this episode. I won't tomorrow. I've got haircut. I've got another podcast I'm on for I don't know who it is. Some okay. dude wanted to Let's lead with the fir- not don't don't lead with the haircut. That makes me that makes me feel like you're not dedicated. <laughs> well, I have an appointment. I've got to get a haircut before I go to Cancun so I look good. See, but, see, unless more- you can do in the morning, but I think you work in the morning. But from about one till eight o'clock, I'm busy tomorrow, and then I'm all day Friday. One to eight o'clock. I can do after. Yeah. Okay. That was funny. I go to bed at like nine. Uh, you go to bed at nine? Yes. My wife will kill me if I do another late night. Okay. All right. We'll try to figure something out, or maybe I can get uh, something on because that that's a pretty good uh, that's a pretty good opportunity there that I want to pass up on the U- uh, the USAPL. It's very kind of them, but yeah. we can brainstorm. I can just a- ask questions, and you know, this episode is dropping Friday, so we have that time. I do like how you said, like, well, in my defense, I had a haircut so I can go on vacation next week, like. Steve, you're not helping this whole dedication thing to Towards Who White Lights by saying that. <laughs> it's like, oh, excuse me, I have vacation next week that I have to go to. Um, I have to start paying you if I want you to stay loyal. I know that for a fact. I gotta get, start getting paid, too. We gotta start making money on Two White Lights. That's the one thing we're missing right now. We got the stuff. We got the podcast. We got the content. I need more money. That's the thing. We need more of it. All of it. All of the money. Yes. My, but, my wife will need money for me to keep taking time away from her. Yes. yes yeah. That's always, that's, that's the always, point. always the best incentive is, uh, the money part. But 
Yeah, so those are actually pretty cool developments. I'm actually, I'm that was the coolest thing I've seen, uh, probably in my powerlifting career. Uh, that the U.S. USA powerlifting page just messaged me and told me that they listened to the podcast. So, That's cool. Yeah, that is pretty sweet. So. You know what? I think, unless you have anything to add, that's going to do it for this episode. No, I think that's about it. I think we covered everything and covered our opinions, and I think we're good. Yeah, and maybe uh, maybe we can get some questions going, uh, possibly towards uh, towards later tonight, and maybe get them uh, aired on the this next episode of Two White Lights that is going to drop Friday. So that's going to do it for that's going to do it for this episode, or maybe even the Monday episode. So that's going to do it. For this episode of Two White Lights, we will have another episode coming Monday, so get excited for that. Guests to be determined, have some of the back burners, and you're going on vacation, so it's going to be Guest to Palooza next week. It's just going to be probably, I'm going to try to probably see if I can schedule like seven night interviews, and just like get like, get three episodes next week just going, and, possi- and possibly with all the developments that we got, maybe a Kyle Project Strength. Uh, Joe Stanick, uh, unofficial co-host. Well, what I'd say is maybe try and get Josh Rohr on here. I wonder if he messaged you. Possibly. Very good point. Yeah. That's a, yeah, I like that. I like that idea a lot. Yeah, Josh Rohr would be an excellent guy to talk to. Uh, smart guy who is very straight to the point, too. Yeah, so do a, do a, a, a primetime talk with him about his introduction to prime time and then get into, he'd be able to answer a lot more USAPL questions, I think for sure. For sure. All right. Yeah. I like that. Let's see. Again, that's why you're the co-host. You, you give me these <laughs> ideas that my dumb brain can't think of on, on the spot. I think of these things like, but three months later, like it's, it's, it's a, it's not great. I think that's actually the true form of intelligence is like being able to come up with things on the spot, not waiting three months and uh, deciding it's a good idea. So enjoy your time in Cancun. This will be your, you know, last until you are living it up on the beach somewhere. Um, Yeah, have fun, man. Thank you. I will. Lots of margaritas incoming. All right, sweet. Send me me a few pictures. Just so I know you're safe. All right, we'll see you guys on Monday. Peace.